Hey guys, and welcome back to the Same Sis Podcast. I'm Brooke. And I'm Kayleen. I don't know if we're ever going to like switch that up. I know. We like don't have that pre-recorded. I don't know if you guys realize that. <laughs> but we literally just say the same thing every time. I, yeah, I'm curious if it sounds different every time. I know. We should pre-record it. <laughs> literally, because we literally say it every time, but it's it's so fun. I, I don't know. know if I would want to change it, it anything it, anyway. It just gets us in the, the mood, you know? We know maybe we're I starting. Sh- maybe I should start like... I don't know, coming up with something interesting to do, sing it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean it makes me mix it up. Um anyways, we have a really exciting episode for yes, you guys. Guys, it was so good. We just finished recording it, so we're doing this intro afterwards and it was really good. I had such a good time talking with her. Same. My friend Emma joined us and she lives in Hawaii and just brought a lot of, I don't even want to like bring up the topic yet, but she just has so many good, insightful notes and inspiring messages to give. And so I feel like if there's any episode that you listen to of ours, this is the one. Yeah. Especially send it to people, (laughs) share it in your stories. You guys, we actually, we've never really asked you guys to do that before. We would love for you guys to share this episode. If you enjoyed it on your stories to your friends, your family, whatever. We just want to get the word out to be able to inspire other women and have a safe place for people to feel connected and um, not alone. Yeah. And not necessarily just to get like our podcast out, but like just this episode, I feel like it's something that is so like good to hear right before the holidays. And I just feel like it can really like help a lot of people if it reaches them. So yeah, if you guys enjoyed it, just make sure to share it and tag us. Yeah. We're going to do a little like brief intro. Um, Brooke's just going to do one because honestly, I'm vlogging my, what I would say in my intro tomorrow. So you guys can just go watch my YouTube video. It'll be up before this anyways. <laughs> there so, <you> go. Yeah. <laughs> well, my little update, I guess, is mostly about Asher. And I'm sure you guys have actually seen in my stories, but He's been sick. He has, I don't know like what the original sickness was, but he's developed croup. And so did they diagnose it like for sure when you went today? Yeah. Like, and it's just like, I, what they said is it's just like the inflammation of their throat or their like airways. Um, But so yeah, he's been super sick, just waking up in the nights. And the other thing that he's done is now he's climbing out of his crib. Dude, I saw your story. (laughs) Which I thought I saw that you had posted that Rocky did that. He did. He did it once successfully. Um, I went upstairs, found him in the playroom, and he was so proud of himself. Like, (laughs) so proud. And so uh, the next like few nights I put our, um, what's it called? Our nugget couch and our pickler in front of the stairs because we don't have a gate and we sleep with our door open, but I was terrified of him like falling down the stairs or something. And he didn't try it again until a nap where he woke up early and he was kind of fussed and I just left him. And then I heard him screaming and he was stuck on the edge, like mm. wrapped around. It was so sad when I walked in, he was like shaking cause he was so scared Aww. and he hasn't tried again. Yeah. That probably terrified him. Yeah. He's like, I don't want to get in that situation. Yeah. I I was looking at your monitor though. Do you have things that he can reach to step on next to the crib that elevates it? So yes, we had a basket of blankets there, which I have since moved Okay, and he didn't try like the next time I put him in bed, but today after his nap and he woke up kind of like what you said, he was just kind of in there talking and I left him 
the next thing I know, he's like out talking to me. And I'm like, wait, how did you get out of bed? And I asked her, I'm like, did you get him out? And he's like, no. So he, yeah, he had like been able to climb out without the basket there. Ugh. And so I don't know, people are suggesting like putting a tent on. You can also take the bottom part of the crib out so that the mattress is on the floor, not like elevated to the bottom of the crib but the crib is still around. So it's like higher. So they can't climb out. My friend did this and it completely stopped the problem for her. So they can't go through. I feel like the mattress would be lower than the crib rails. So the mattress and the way hers was, and I think the way yours would be too, was it was as thick as the space between the floor and the crib. Gotcha. So like it would cover that bottom part and then the rails, they still couldn't get in between. So it just like saved her because she wasn't ready to switch to a toddler bed yet. Yeah. So you can definitely try that. I No, never mind. That was for a toddler bed. Just kidding. Well, because I have like the rails to switch like the crib into a toddler bed. Yeah. Which I'm like, well, I don't even know how it is with potty training. Yeah. Like, because I was like, well, if I'm going to potty train him in January, then do I want him to be able to get out of his bed to go to the bathroom or how does that work? Um. Judging from my experience, which I'm not going to share too much because it's just all that's coming out of my mouth. (laughs) I think they're too young at this age to even go to the bathroom by themselves like that. Yeah. Yeah. Even just like during the day, like I'm right there with him. Yeah. He needs help pulling his pants down. He needs help getting on the toilet. Like he needs help pushing his wiener down so he doesn't pee everywhere. (laughs) Like it's a whole thing. Which is why I'm like, why do I want to like push potty training? I don't know. I don't think you do. (laughs) Honestly, the past few days, I'm just like, our world has changed again. Yeah. If he's not ready, I wouldn't, I mean, I I didn't, I don't even know if Rocky was ready. I just kind of was like, we're doing it. Yeah. I don't think there's a rush is what I'm trying to say. No, I don't think there's a rush. Well, my in-laws have been like, yeah, he's got to be potty trained before he's three. That's just too old. And I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe I need to like start. I definitely like have been, um, talking about it a lot more like to him. Do you want to go or look, look at the, I don't know, like talking about the yeah. potty, talking about those things just to like, kind of get his mind buzzing. That's how I started with Rocky yeah. too. And like, like months we've been doing that, but yeah. he literally, he doesn't really have that much of an interest, yeah. but I am like buying him for Christmas, like a potty training kit to so like cute. kind of like spark. I don't know the thought, make it exciting. And we'll see when we end up using it. But I'm like, well, I'm going to buy this stuff anyways. I may as well make it a gift and something that he can open and maybe it will make him excited. Right. Right. Yeah. Anyways, back to your whole like bed thing. I don't know that it's like necessary to do it. Um, So then maybe I'm going to try the floor thing. That's all my updates. Nothing else exciting. Let's jump into the episode because it's it's a good good one, guys. Hope you guys enjoy it. All right. So today we have my friend Emma McCullough joining us all the way from Hawaii. Hey, guys. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, I'm stoked. I'm a little nervous. I've never done a podcast before, but I'm excited. Well, you're going to smash it. I know it. To give you guys a little bit of background about Emma, we met at BYU Hawaii and we were both freshmen living in the dorms. And it was just like the best time ever. We had like a really fun group of friends. And I always like to say that I was the reason her and her husband started dating. Do you remember that? I, yes, I think that is true. That's accurate. It is it's true. Like you admit long, it? I'm like, that was a long minute ago, but 
glory days. I remember trying to convince him to like kiss you one time or something. I think that's how it went. Yes. There was definitely some pressuring some oh, yeah. going on there. <laughs> Classic meme. I know. I think that's for me, like the saddest thing about doing this is that I wish that we were actually just having lunch. I know. Because and not recording across the ocean. Right. <laughs> I know. It's so sad. I was so sad when I moved away. Yeah. You guys will have to come do a guest episode. Come out to In Hawaii. Hawaii. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm like, can I come? <laughs> You need to do yes, that. Yes, yes. Both I, of I you. I, I meant both of you. <laughs> like, I know this is our podcast, but I want to come. <laughs> no, you, of course, would be there. <laughs> More about Emma. She now raises three beautiful little boys in Hawaii, and she's a lifestyle and brand photographer. She's seriously amazing, just like the most beautiful film, film lookalike photos. Um, and she hosts wellness events for women. They're called Well Women Hawaii which they're so incredible. If you guys ever have a chance to go to one of those, you will be well taken care of. Emma is seriously the best hostess and just so inspiring. When I was Googling or when I was searching your email to pull up the Google Doc that you were sending, I all the pictures that you took at that retreat came yes. up. They're like so beautiful in my heart. I was like, those are still my favorite pictures from any of the events. That oh we've my done. gosh. That's so nice. Cause I feel like you've had some really amazing photographers take pictures of your events. So that's an honor to hear. Wait, I'm so curious. Like I, I'm like, can we jump into that yeah. for a second? How did you get into all that? That's so cool. Um, just brief, <laughs> briefly, it's a long story, but Basically, right after I had my second son, and my first two are really close together. They're like 18 months apart and both surprises. <laughs> Love it. So kind of like whirlwind of diving into parenthood. And when I had my second, I was just like really craving more connection with other women and just felt super isolated. And um, and that was kind of at the early era. I mean, Brooke knows this. Living in Hawaii, there's a lot of people here that are... Uh, building online platforms and, you know, whether they're interested in like fitness or mindfulness, meditation, yoga, even like nutrition, that's kind of just a culture that thrives here in Hawaii. Basically, I had the idea that there were other retreats, women's retreats happening, but none of them were like financially accessible to me at the time. And so I pretty much thought like, well, what if I just like rounded up a bunch of these friends that I know that are trying to um, create content for their online platforms and like use their skills. And then I photographed the whole thing. Cute. And so it was like, they received content. They were able to provide their skills for a group of women at like a super affordable rate. And it never, I never started it with the intention of like having it be an ongoing project, but the first one went so well. And I just immediately had like dozens of people saying, when's the next one? And I couldn't make it to this, but I, and so it just kind of went from there. And it was like, so we've done kind of the bigger events or our retreats, like full day retreats. I haven't done a multi day retreat, but then dinners, workshops, um, classes. Anyways. Yeah. It's been cool. And it's kind of, you know, I've done it more some year since then I've kept it up, but kind of modified according to my own, what I have going on, but it's, still been like super rewarding all these years later how many years has it been um okay so it was when right after my second son was born and he just turned six. Oh my gosh how cool is that so that's time flies i love <laughs> that's that that's crazy to even say that out loud <laughs> it is crazy that's so weird because i feel like i think i went to your second one maybe yeah yeah you were that the second retreat. yeah and so to even hear that that was six years ago like 
that does not seem real. Right. What on earth? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. I swear too, Brooke, I'm like, there's so many things about you I just do not know. Like know, you've I've, lived so many lives. I have lived many lives. <laughs> Brooke, Brooke has many lives and many talents. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm like, I swear I know her. It's but like, like my favorite yeah. thing about her is that it's like literally every turn it's just a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> keep finding out new like, things you know that brooke left us in hawaii to go to fashion school right? yes like, i did know that yeah that we were like wait you're going where <laughs> i know you're leaving like, hawaii just this whole that. other world you know you think like ghetto byu hawaii she's like actually i'm transferring to fashion school in la like oh. crazy okay bye <laughs> we've we've always all known that she would live a big life oh gosh well little little do you know i just don't live here in queen creek arizona <laughs> filming a podcast at 7 30 p.m yeah i have lived many lives but that's a conversation for another day <laughs> for sure yeah part two Brooks part two lives. yeah Um, Okay, the last thing I wanted to jump in and share about Emma, which is the topic we're going to be discussing in this episode, is how she's on a quest to live a more mindful and frugal island life. And I literally copied and pasted that from her private Instagram account. And she shares really inspiring quotes, different things she thrifts, and how she keeps her home and life minimal, which I think during this holiday season is just something we can all have some tips of and reminders about. So with little ado or with no ado how do you say it with further without for, without, without further ado without further ado <laughs> with plenty of ado <laughs> let us begin let us begin so first we wanted to ask you to share with our listeners what inspired you to pursue a more minimal and mindful way of life um so a few things came to mind come to mind with that question and one of the first ones is just that Uh, Me and my husband have spent time living in developing countries. There was about two four-month stints uh, where we lived in Mozambique and then also in Nicaragua. And I think um, in Mozambique, we we went shortly after we got married. And then in Nicaragua, we went when my oldest was 10 months old. Wait, really quick. Where is that first city? Mozambique, yeah. it's in Africa. Okay, I was like, never heard yeah. of that place. It's on the southeastern coast of okay. Africa. so cool. So climate-wise, it's like tropical and really similar to Hawaii. Okay. Um, but yeah, we went. So in both places, we did internships and just kind of, it wasn't so much traveling around. It was just really like uh, digging deep into living in like the small towns where our internships were. like super immersive language experiences but also even more like a cultural experience with I don't know just stepping outside of our normal western world um and so I think those were hugely influential for me that our first trip to Mozambique shortly after we got home I found out I was pregnant with my first unexpectedly and it was honestly it was living it was those months living abroad specifically in a developing country that gave me I think like the courage to take on motherhood the way that I did because I thought like I don't need a course I don't need to know everything like I have what it takes to raise this baby and I that's a lot of what I took in and learned from those years living abroad was just living in we were in people's not years but months living abroad 
um, the homes that we were in and the people that we met is, it was just like super inspiring to see these beautiful, happy lives um, where they in no way, you know, have the material realities that we do as, you know, privileged Americans. Yeah. Um, and I think there was also, I mean, Brooke can relate to this having lived in Hawaii. There's, you also even get a flavor of that in living in Hawaii. Definitely. Um, and just in terms of like simplifying simple lifestyles, um, the culture here is like significantly in my mind, less materialistic than on the mainland yes. where I grew up. Which is um, like one of my favorite things about Hawaii every time. Right. And that's, I think what so many people are drawn to, like mm -hmm. we've now lived here long enough that we've had so many people, we've, we've seen so many people move here and kind of try to articulate like, Oh, we just love what it feels like here. And, and they try to, they try to explain why. And, and I think there's, there's, so much that's special about Hawaii and the aloha spirit is very real, but I also just think there's a culture of non-materialism here. Yeah. And we need that. Like our, I think like as a society, like our souls are craving that yep. yeah. because our like consumerism habits have just like spiraled out of control. Yeah. Especially here in the U S. Right. And the other thing that I was gonna, that came to mind when I think about kind of what started me on this path or this journey is so after we left Nicaragua, we left Nicaragua because I unexpectedly got pregnant with my second. How funny. <laughs> and that actually is what brought us back to Hawaii because my husband ended up applying for and getting accepted uh, to work with Teach for America, which for anybody that doesn't know, it's just um, a nonprofit organization that uh, trains teachers and places them in low income communities and just supports them in teaching low-income communities. And it's a super cool organization. It's a three-year commitment. And it's unique in a lot of ways. And one of them specifically that had a huge impact on us as a family is that it's uh, really poorly paid. You're paid <laughs> even less than what a teacher is paid because you're yeah. not fully certified by the time you begin. It's not like you apply for it as someone who's studied education, like my study, my husband studied political science. And so you receive the training and then actually a master, he ended up doing his master's degree through Teach for America. So by the time you finish, you're fully certified and he's continued on with teaching and he now works at the, at Kahuku High School. But anyways, basically just like found ourselves in this situation where I was hugely pregnant with our second son. I had an 18 month old there was no way I could work full time. And my husband's working all the time in a job that pays almost nothing. I mean, almost very little. And also we live in Hawaii where the cost of living is, you know, I mean, yeah, obviously it's gotten worse over the years, but, and I was just in this, like, I knew that I had to find joy in the situation or it would like, it would, suffocate me like yeah. I was I wanted to love living in Hawaii and and even with our housing that we were able to get we more or less said like we're going to choose the more expensive housing that puts us closer to the ocean and closer to the community that we were connected with while we were students here and um so I think that was the very like beginning of starting to have a more mindful idea of like what we want 
to spend our money on and what's what our values are and what was important. And it was kind of right around this time um, that I read two books that pretty much like turned my world upside down and totally gave me the clarity and the direction and the passion that I needed to take on this challenge. And, oh, I was going to grab it. Um, and the two books are, one is called um, The Art of Frugal Hedonism, A Guide to Spending Less While Enjoying Everything More. And it's written by these quirky, this quirky Australian couple. And um, they're just, I, it's written in a way that is, isn't condescending. It's, it's funny. It's blunt. Um, I just love the writing style of it. And then the second book um, is called Simplicity Parenting, Using the Extraordinary Power of Less to Raise Calmer, Happier, and More Secure Kids. Have you guys heard of that book? I haven't, but Simplicity I'm Parenting. just reading the explanation of it. I am very intrigued. Like, I really want to read that. Just hearing yeah. the title. Oh, it, like, yeah. Yeah. totally changed things for me. And the and I love the writing in both is really different. Simplicity Parenting is has a lot of, um, like, research and counseling-based experiences and stories of the author that are like so rich and transformational and they kind of side by side um just really shifted my perspective and I pulled a quick quote from Simplicity Parenting is it okay if I just read that because I feel like yeah, it, love that. there's so much but this kind of boils it down and it says when you simplify a child's world, you prepare the way for positive change and growth. This preparatory work is especially important because our world is characterized by too much stuff. We are building our daily lives and our families on the four pillars of too much. Too much stuff, too many choices, too much information, and too much speed. With this level of busyness, distraction, time pressure, and clutter, both mental and physical, Children are robbed of the time and the ease they need to explore their worlds and their emerging selves. And since the pressures of too much are so universal, we are adjusting at a commensurately fast pace. The weirdness of too much begins to seem normal. I love that. I love um, that. And so that, I think, kind of tied with, with, the, with this idea of frugal hedonism, which is, you know, the idea of finding joy in minimalism or mindfulness mindful mindful spending I know that the word frugal even can have like a bit of a bad connotation to it um but I think these with these two books and the season of life that I read them it just all fit into place perfectly and it became like something that I was and still am super passionate about yeah I feel like it's funny because uh Kyleen and I have had a lot of conversations about this because I personally feel this sense of consumerism and especially during the holidays um, and being an influencer, quote unquote, um, I always like kind of feel weird about like pushing basically products on people, which is never my intent, but like that always is kind of in the back of my mind. I always have felt that way, even like when I worked in retail, like, and they want you to make sales, like, you know, I just always had like this, like, pull, right, right. And so like, it's always just this kind of like, interesting thing, me being like, my job is to sell online. Um, right. I don't know. So I don't know, yeah. like, how to find the balance. Um, I almost feel like too, with just like social media being so present, you're constantly 
being shown what everyone's buying. So then you almost feel like behind, like, and especially as an influencer in this like time of year, I'm like, oh shoot, I should have shared this and this and this. And it's like, I feel like I'm behind by not sharing it. But then I, I, this literally happened to me today. And it's so such a silly side story, but Target was having buy one, get one 50% off kids toys. And I was like, oh, I should share that for everyone. But then I, I like stopped myself. I was like, okay, first of all, it's not really that great of a deal. <laughs> like I saved like seven bucks by buying like two toys or whatever that I wanted to get the kids for Christmas. But also like, I just felt so like icky about it. I don't know what it was, but, and I, maybe it's because we're about, we, I knew I was going to have this like episode with you and I, yeah, we're going to yeah. talk about it and that maybe it was making me think more, but it's just, it's almost like a reaction to be a consumerism. Like it's almost not even thought if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it's just an impulsive reaction that we do. Cause that's just the world, especially like here in Arizona, I feel like it's just constantly like consume, 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 you know? Yeah. I guess our point in saying all of this is we understand <laughs> how easily it can be uh, to consume. Yes. But I feel like instantly by hearing you explain your reasonings, like I'm already convinced that I need to like pull back. So from someone who is a consumer in this world, what is your best advice to just start now? Like what is something we can do to make ourselves more minimal today? Um, I think, well, my first recommendation would be to read these books. <laughs> And you guys can link them, right? Like yeah. you can uh, yes, have the full yes. titles and the authors and stuff because they're both like, they're not big gnarly reads. Like they're really accessible. Um, I remember reading this one with a young baby. The chapters are short. It's like, if you have 10 minutes to stop and read, like you're getting something out of it. Um, so I would say I've loved, what's been so impactful for me about like, about reading the books and continuing to kind of feed um, that ideological shift is for me, it's like that idea of treating the cause instead of the symptom. Like you can say like, okay, I'm gonna declutter today because I'm feeling like I wanna be more minimalist or like, oh, I'm not gonna buy this one thing because I wanna change it. And you know, those things might be sustainable, but might not versus if you can really get to the heart of the way we view spending money as a society and as a culture, yeah. you can really change that, which takes a lot of like openness and self-reflection. And I think like even for you guys in your jobs to even be at this point that of what you just expressed of kind of realizing like, yeah, I don't know how I feel about, the, about this. And I'm open to reflecting on it and thinking like, how can I do better? And how can I um, be an uplifting presence in this marketing world rather than, you know, just another person that's more or less manipulating consumers. Yeah. Um, it can feel like that. And, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And I think, so that would be one of my big recommendations is, I mean, and there's other books too, and I'm, I'm sure there's podcasts as well, but these books have been, I are, are two that I really like and I come back to and I reread and I, I made a goal to re to read The Art of Frugal Hedonism every year before Christmas again, because it's so that. good and it's such a good reset. And again, I I can't rave enough about the writers because there's just enough like kind of wit and humor in it that they're really more or less able to point out how stupid it is Yeah, yeah. that <laughs> we live in this world of like this cycle of 
we need more money to buy more stuff, so let's work more so we have more money to buy more stuff, so we need to work more. And yeah. it's just yeah. this, I mean, more or less toxic cycle. Yeah. yeah. And so I love those. And I mean, I can even just share, like they break down things, they break things down like into super um, digestible little pieces and like just some of the little suggestions that they give. And there are some chapters that I'm like, oh, not my season of life to embrace this change or, you know, yeah. oh, I could never do this. And there's a huge range, but it's like, some of them, chapter five, hate waste. Chapter six, recalibrate your senses. Chapter 14, don't buy drinks. Chapter 18, grow your own greens. Um, chapter 26, reinvent Christmas. You guys grow um, your own fruit. Yeah, we just two years ago planted our own banana trees and it is How exhilarating. Cool. Yeah, that's amazing. I feel <laughs> to- like... Pull I down can't. our own bananas. Yeah, I'm like, like picturing my son just like walking out and to like get it, a banana off the tree. Like, what? Yeah. Oh, it's unreal. It's idyllic. Oh, like, I, love I mean, that. it's like bring a bag. Like they're really simple, but kind of interwoven within these really simple suggestions is just this broader ideology of, of letting go of materialism. Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, those are kind of big, but on a more practical level of like, I would just say start simple. You know, I take one thing at a time. Um, I mean, that's like habits 101. It's just, right. yep. you know, for something to be sustainable, you just have to take it one thing at a time. Um, I think also just like celebrating the wins and also just like the broader impact. There's so much about living mindfully and minimally that affects more than just you. And yeah. when, you can, when you can really open your eyes to that and celebrate the way that it's affecting your kids, the way that it's affecting your relationships even for me like my spirituality like I mean and like I won't you know we don't even have to go into like sustainability wise like you know consumerism is killing our planet yeah yeah um and so I think focusing on those and then also just the last thing is just to to mitigate that that influence of constant advertising that's in our lives um and recognize, be able to self-reflect and say, like, what are the, what are, you know, are there things that I can, you know, fa- pages that I can unfollow because they constantly feel like I don't have enough? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are there shows that I'm watching that constantly make me feel like I need more? And it's funny because my Emma doesn't shop, like, at Emma doesn't shop Instagram feed where I have, like, that you read that quote from. The reason I started that account, it's like kind of ironic tongue in cheek because I wanted to start a separate account that I could follow like all the businesses and influencers that I follow, I follow under that account because Mm. then my own personal feed, I know that I'm just getting um, like the real stuff. Yeah. And stuff that's not going to make me feel. And so then, but I like, I like follow, you know, when I'm when I'm ready for it and when I want it, you know, I love following, especially like, you know, incredible small businesses and shops and, and I like getting people's recommendations. You know, I enjoy influencers who say, you know, Hey, try this. And I loved it. And it's like, that is a quality service that's being provided, but I don't want it to be intermixed with all of my socializing. You know, I want it to, so that you're going into it with a different mindset. 
And you're able to kind of shift your brain to think like someone's trying to market something to me right now. Right. And I know that and I'm in a space where I can be mindful about, but I'm not just being like opening myself up to this unwanted pressure. Yeah. I feel like too, I know a lot of times when people have a problem with something, they'll just like completely cut it out, but like, you're not really fixing the problem. I feel like it's kind of going back to your, like the cause, not the symptom comment. Right. 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 Companies are out there because that does like provide jobs and opportunities for other people. So like, it's not like we're ever going to get rid of those things, but to understand exactly, right. Like just how to, like you said, see it and not be like, okay, I have to buy that. Or, you know what I mean? I just think that's the bigger shift of your mindset. And I, yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I think for me too, it's like years ago that I learned to let go of Black Friday. Like I felt that during the week of Thanksgiving, I had so much anxiety because yes. of the fear of missing out on the deal. Yes. yes. And like, I'm like, ah, oh, should I buy this now? And, and it was like amazing when I had this mindset switch where I was like, you know what? I'd rather buy something on my own time and pay. It's never like we're getting that much more off. Right. All right. It's like literally never. at least for the things that I'm buying, it's not hundreds of dollars. It's like $25 yes. or yeah. $50, you know? And it's like, it's worth $25 to me to just have um, a an experience buying something on my own time. Yeah, anxious mind and heart. So like, just let it go. Or what I try to do is have a plan of what I'd like to buy in advance so Mm. that it's not like you're getting bombarded with ads and thinking like, oh, I have to buy this, I have to buy this. It's like, oh, I'm gonna, I know that at Black Friday, this thing that I want is gonna go on sale and I'm gonna wait to buy it till that time. But so often I find myself like, oh, I see something like, ah, should I get that for so-and-so for Christmas? And it's like, it's- Impulse buy. Yeah, yeah. How often do you declutter just like everything that you own, like things in your house? I mean, really anything. Um, Yeah. So the Simplicity Parenting book that I had mentioned outlines some really awesome concrete suggestions that relate really specifically to parenting. And I've definitely tried to keep those in my mind as I, as I tackle decluttering. Like some of the really simple things that aren't unique to him. I know that lots of other people share it, but uh, is just like, putting half of your kids' toys away and then having like only a limited number of things, even like books, like having five books on the shelf instead of 25 and pulling, switching them out and stuff. Um, Another thing that I really have tried to implement is basically like anything that has broken parts, I just get rid of. Like, um, and so I think for me, I'm kind of in this, always in this perpetual process of evaluating what is serving us. Um, like as in literally, I always have a bag that's, I'm just putting goodwill, you know, my goodwill bag. It's pretty much like every time the bag gets full and we take it and we bring it back and we fill it up again. Yep. Um, but something else that's cool for us is like I said, because my husband's a public school teacher, we have summers off and we always travel through the summer. And usually what we've been able, we've been blessed to do in the past is that we rent out our house. And so essentially like in the spring, we have to turn our house into an Airbnb. (laughs) Right. And that has been like, it's a pain, but it's also been like such a nice thing to know that like every spring we do a huge like evaluation and decluttering and um, even just like a kind of tightening of all the things that need addressed. And um, so that's been good. And yeah, like I said, I think it's, I think And obviously that's just what works for me is that kind of constant like picking things up and putting them either in the trash or whatever. But some people want like a more structured like, oh, every once a month 
I go through right. my kids' toys and do this. Um, and for me, it's easy enough to just kind of do it whenever my kids are out. I'll be like, oh, yeah. what toy can I get rid of behind their backs Literally, today? <laughs> yes. Literally me with my kids' toys, too. Um, do you have, like, a certain amount of clothing items that you keep in your house? Or do you just try and keep it, like, what fits vi- in your closet? Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, I mean, also kind of going back to just the realities of Hawaii living, like, we're in a small two-bedroom. We don't have that much space. I don't even have a closet in my bedroom. Like, we, gotcha. I just have a yeah. big dresser. And so literally we're physically limited in that way. Um, And so it's, I know, I know that if my drawers are hard to shut, that it's time to clear some stuff out. And (laughs) I recently enlisted the help of a friend because I was getting to that point. And I just, I mean, I was going through a lot and just, you know, like anxiety can be so crippling that it's like, oh, I can't even go through my clothes. Like even just the smallest amount of stress is like beyond what you're capable of. And I had an awesome friend come over and I haven't read um, Marie Kondo's stuff. I've heard really good things about it and I've heard a lot of the principles and it definitely, I think, aligns with um, with my views. But she, my friend has read all her books and, and like watches her show and stuff. And it was so helpful for me. We just like dumped out every drawer and just went through everything. Like, and she left with like a Santa's like bag full imagine like santa like hobbling under the weight of a giant sack that was my friend with my clothes and like i didn't even think i had that many clothes to get rid of right and so i think that was like an awesome exercise for me um and i need to do that often i feel like i hang on to things that are like my comfort pieces yeah that are like so ugly and like nasty but like they're just like the things that I will like go to always because they're comfortable. Right. Which and- I mean, those are, that's like a lot of what she was saying. She was saying like, if you'll wear it and if you enjoy it still and it's right. then, and it serves a function and a purpose, like sure, go ahead and keep it. But you know. But do um, I need one for every single day of the week or right, two weeks because right, I don't exactly. want to do laundry? <laughs> well, it's funny for me. It's always, I think I always have this idea that at some date in the future, there will be a themed party that I need yep. this one random piece of clothing for. And it's like, <laughs> okay, but it's been sitting there for seven years. Like you've uh-huh. had these sparkly tights for so long. Like oh, yep. let them and go. And no party has come up that yes. you need those And for. then usually <laughs> I give them away. And like two weeks later, I get an invitation to a party for sparkly tights. How it so. goes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, Every time. That's my, like, my excuse to hoard is like, oh, one day I'm going to need this. Or I'm going to do a craft with, this piece of junk that I'm holding on to literally. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I think with clothes, it's like, I'm finally, you know what? I turned 31 this year. I feel like I'm finally growing up to the mentality of investing in your clothing. mm -hmm. And that was something obviously that I had read and heard years ago, but I was so entrenched in my you know, my three couple stores that I would go to where everything was $25. Yeah. That the idea of spending like X number, I think Brooke was like the first person I ever met as a freshman or whatever that had nice jeans. Like, <laughs> Sounds like Brooke. Like... Yeah. <laughs> well, that and... is something I have always implemented. I would way rather like buy one thing that's good quality that I love that like will last than like 
I cannot buy like H&M pants or whatever. Like I just. Right. Well, and I think like I'm finally getting even I was walking through Target a few days ago. My my once a year trip to Target because it's an hour and 15 minutes away. Um, <laughs> I was like I called Trenton after and I said like Trenton, I walked through all the clothes and I didn't even like one thing. I didn't even <laughs> pick up one thing. And it's, I think in, it's in part because. Here they put out all the winter stuff that they do on the mainland as well, but it's some like it's Hawaii, so it yeah. always just kind of like is like I'm confused. But it was that it was that feeling of, and of course there's gems from Target. I'm not of trying course. to speak bad. I'm not trying to <laughs> ostracize your following that loves Target. It's like all of our but, following. <laughs> but it was that realization of like I think I'm actually really getting past this and getting to a point where. I want to invest in clothing that will last and clothing that's made ethically and that like put my dollar towards somebody that's, you know, towards a person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So speaking of that and the holidays, what are some ways that we could be more frugal and mindful with our decor and gifts? Um, Yeah, I think, like I said, there, I think Christmas is like a great opportunity. There's a line in this chapter Um, of this frugal hedonism book in the chapter 26, Reinvent Christmas. The first line says, your authors realize it only happens once a year, but but we reckon that reinventing Christmas is useful because it's so emblematic. If Christmas can be improved via frugality, then anything can. You know, so it's this feeling of, it's like Christmas is like when you're tackling the hardest because Christmas is so wrapped up in like expectations and emotions and whatnot. And like, if you can be frugal and minimal and mindful at Christmas time, you can do it all year. I promise. Yeah. Um, so I love that. But this chapter is super insightful. And some of the some of the things they mention is again just like this theme of like let go of what's feels what's normal. Let go of what feels normal and find joyful alternatives that align better with your values, you know? And, and especially, like I said, if you're, if you're seeking out a reevaluation of your values in regards to how you spend money, um, we should expect that we're going to have to do some reinventing of, of these special occasions in our lives and whatnot. And it's totally doable. Um, and, I had thought like something else I thought of was with traditions. I think um, I was just listening to your guys's episode from what this week was it your brand new one, the one where you talked about Thanksgiving traditions mm, and yeah. just uh, <laughs> sharing among your families, sharing what you're grateful for and that how that's um, like uh, a special. I think Kylene, you had said like it's it's really special to you. And that yeah. is like such a great example of a tradition that creates a feeling and creates meaning, but it's not tied to a material, you know, consuming of something. Yeah. yeah. And um, I, so I think just like really honing in on that and saying like, okay, focus on recreating a feeling or experience from your childhood Christmas memories rather than this like external physical outcome of like, oh, well, I have to eat the same exact thing that we've eaten every single year because will it be Christmas without it? Like it will, it (laughs) will. And you won't feel like crap after and you won't spend too much money and too much time cooking in the kitchen. Like, like feel like we have to realize 
these expectations that we have from our childhood, like we live in a different world. Yeah. Like so many of us grew up with, and this is obviously not to everybody, but I think for me, like so many of us grew up with, with my, my mom was a full-time parent. She didn't work. Like she loved cooking. Like I don't love cooking. I love eating yeah. good food, but I don't want to cook it. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. I think just like reevaluating what feels good and what aligns with your morals and then saying, how can we bring in these feelings um, from that we want to recreate for ourselves and for our children without depending on consumption. And I that's that. like, yeah, go ahead. No, I feel like that is like the perfect thing. That's like, I feel like what I've been searching for because mm-hmm. I've been having this feeling that I don't really want to get my kids that many things for Christmas. I think I maybe just want to do like one gift. Whereas like growing up, I got more gifts. Um, and I think that's something that like, I like feel bad about looking back on. Cause like, I would always be like, Oh, like I would count how many gifts, you know, like no. it's like, yeah, yeah. I feel like I get things for my kids when they need them throughout the year. Right, and so when now right. that it, we're here at Christmas, I'm like, well, they pretty much have everything they need. Like as they need them, I'm pretty much getting them. Right. right. And so how can I still have that like fun, exciting feeling but be a lot more minimal in the gifts that I'm giving. And so, yeah, I feel like that's like a really great way to like transition my mindset. Right. I think of the Hannemans. So you guys, I mean, Brooke knows the Hannemans, but, um, you know, seven brothers, but people in Arizona are familiar with seven brothers, right? And they've got yes. their business is growing and it's so cool to see because we all went to school together and yes. me and my husband both worked there before it was even, you know, branded as seven brothers. And, and I remember when we were all freshmen together, like me, you and Max, I remember him saying, you know, this family with seven kids saying like, oh yeah, we don't really do gifts at Christmas time. And I just remember being like, what? Like, (laughs) so sad for you. And how can you yeah. do you even look forward to Christmas? And I just cringe thinking back on my own response to that. <laughs> yeah. And right. and now I I view it as like just like so epic that they were able to that Art and Peggy Hanneman, the parents, were able to say, like, we don't care what's normal. Yeah. We don't care, you know, we have a big family. Why create a ton of financial stress and and have our whole day and our whole Christmas season be around, you know, planning gifts and whatnot when we don't need that. Like it's, yeah. and I always have loved that example. Yeah. I feel like I keep like, as you're speaking, I'm trying to like articulate in my head, like what I want to say, because I, so I grew up with, I'm one of seven as well. So big family and my mom didn't work either. My dad was always gone working and my mom was with all of us kids and stuff. And a lot of the memories I have as a kid feel so joyful around the holidays, but I don't remember what I got as a present at right, all, you know? Right. And I mean, we do have traditions that involved gift giving. Like we all sit in a circle and open gifts one at a time. And it literally takes us three hours to open gifts. And it's like my favorite thing on Christmas, but it's not about like the gift. It's just like everyone watching and just like being together and spending quality time. So I feel like there's so many ways you can just replace things like that. And I feel like I'm thinking of it as you're talking about that, like even just with our kids, like there's so many activities you can do with them during the holidays. And I mean, Christmas is literally one day, but 
I think too, because like I grew up with a lot of siblings, my mom always really wanted to make sure none of us felt like we were getting forgotten. And so gift giving was like a huge thing. Like she was very intentional about trying to make sure all of us got like what a normal kid would get if they were in a family of like two. Mm. But I can imagine how much that was for her now as a mother myself. Um, But I also hear families kind of fight about this where they like want to give a bunch of little gifts. And it's just this thing where like you can almost be called, I guess, frugal for a lack of better word or I don't know if you don't want to be that person who gives like a bunch of gifts, like you just want to do like one intentional gift. So I guess what I'm trying to like ask is like, if that's something that is like your normal and people are expecting to buy your kids like a bunch of gifts and you don't really want that, like how do you converse that to someone or do you not? Like, I guess when you started becoming more minimal, what did you do to like prevent yeah. I think the, the first thing that comes to mind and something they mentioned in this book even is just like straight off the bat, choose your battles. <laughs> like yeah. she ta- mentions in here that she says like, it's been 10 years since I informed my friends I did not want gifts and I wouldn't be giving gifts. And like, that's a great boundary. And then she said, but I've never included my grandmother in that because like she wouldn't really understand and it's not worth yeah. the miscommunication or like the missed connection of a relationship. And so I think that's something I've kept in mind, like speaking specifically about like my mother-in-law, like yeah. they, that can already be a tense relationship. Sometimes I'm not going to dictate to her what she can send to my children. You know, yeah. it's just, it's Smart. not the nature of our relationship. And, I, you know, and that's just like, it's so choose your battles. It's like, I am just not going there with her and, and I'm fine with that. And also like we live away from both of our our parents. So I don't feel like pressured into needing to keep things that aren't serving us and, right. you know, and whatnot. But I'm um, curious, what do you guys do as far as like your Christmas gifts for your kids? Yeah, I think um, there's definitely a gap between the ideal and what actually ends up happening. And I think <laughs> it ends up like that the gifts grow and grow like yes. as as it goes on. And like, but kind of what I've come back to because I, you know, I've heard the thing like give your child one thing that they need, one thing to read, yeah. one thing to. And I think that that's a really beautiful idea. But I'm like, that's four gifts per kid like that's already even if it's you're still, just sticking to yeah. that that's still excessive like yes. especially where Brooke like you just said like so often it's like you're already you've already bought your kid the thing he needs like yeah. exactly and I was honestly talking to Red about how I wanted to do what you're just saying but I'm like well wait I already kind of the needs gone the yeah. reads gone <laughs> exactly. yeah. yeah I think for me what I've realized is um a big priority is a gift that they can have fun playing with on Christmas. Mm-hmm. And that is something that necessi- isn't necessarily always going to fit into my ideal for what I would want to be spending money on usually. Like, yeah. yeah. And, but I've just realized like those in the, as we've learned over the past few Christmases, those are the things that get played with the things that get played with on Christmas morning. That's where a lot of the joy comes in, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so I think we've learned like, even if it's this like $20 game from that we just pick up at Walmart and it doesn't have a whole lot of meaning. And that maybe seems like 
can't like seems to counter what I've shared thus far. But like, again, going back to identifying the experience that you want to have, um, we've realized like, that's a fun thing to do. It's nice to have a fun thing. And then what we've kind of, I'm what I try to do is that beginning probably in like around September, I sort of start identifying the things that probably need replaced and maybe we could think about those being a big Christmas gift. And for us, it's usually surfboards. Yeah. Like nice boogie boards or surfboards. And like, for example, uh, my second secret, his birthday was two weeks ago and we got him like a nice pair of swim fins because he loves to be in the water and he's always like seen our fins and been like, oh, I want some. And and so it's like get the gifting of unexperience. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, most of our gifts are either experience-based or like something they can do right away mm-hmm. that's fun and will like bring them together. Yeah. Okay. Like there's nothing like that feeling of like, I mean, I hate Legos as much as any mom does, <laughs> but there's nothing like the quiet buzz of kids post-gift unwrapping of them like putting their Legos together like and I have three boys and you guys might not relate (laughs) no that's cute but you know so that's a big thing for me but kind of going back to to your question Kylie and I think and this is sort of I think a universal thing that people are trying to speak to on social media I don't know if you guys feel that way but I do is that just we need to feel less guilty communicating boundaries yeah Mm -hmm. honestly (laughs) we just do yeah And as a society, as a whole, as women, especially, like, we need to stop feeling guilty communicating our boundaries. It's our home. It's our families. They're our kids. It shouldn't feel that hurtful to communicate something to somebody. Yeah. And there's no intention to hurt behind it, right? Like, you're not like, oh, I'm going to, like, snuff my mom by telling her, hey, no more princess pajamas. Like, we want something that's a little bit more minimal or whatever you know it's like you should be able to say that and and it's not always going to go over well at the beginning but I think if you really stick to like your intentions and the intention of being loving and and creating a positive environment for your kids and for yourself like that's what all this is about right Right. um how can they hopefully that. that shines through yeah like and your and your family members or friends or whatnot I would guess most of the time we'll appreciate the specific direction. Yeah. And appreciate. And that was another thing I was going to say is like giving really specific ideas of like, you know, they would really love this. Like, I know that my parents appreciate that. Yeah. They live away from their grandkids. They don't see the needs as they roll out. And I'll say like, oh, like so-and-so is really into drawing lately. He could, he would love like some supplies, you know, notebooks or pencils or something like that. Yeah. And I think also just like leading by example, give the kinds of gifts that you want to receive and hopefully people kind of start to get the memo of like, of what, yeah, like what you're trying to, to implement in your life. I think like back to one of my all time favorite Christmas gifts was a few years ago, my sister was living in Hawaii in a really nice house with a beautiful bathroom and my bathroom. I mean, we have one bathroom with the five of us. It's not great. We're in a (laughs) rental, you know, whatever, three boys. And she gifted me for Christmas. Like she was, she had a pretty small budget for the gifts that she was giving, but she give, it sounds like silly, but she gifted me 
a spa night in her bathroom. And what it was, was that I went over there and she had her bath was filling up and she had a few candles and like a flower and music and clean towels that were kind of like set out nicely. And she said, like, take as long as you want and I'll watch your kids. That like, like, makes me want to tear up. That is so sweet. It was so the nice. most thoughtful gift. I was so giddy. Like it was unreal. And that's, I've just always kept that in my mind of like thoughtfulness over just like a material like checklist of like, oh, okay, they have their gift. Like it's always going to win. I love it. And, and it's so much more meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly it made an impact on you to like, that's what you remember. And yeah. Yeah. yeah that's amazing. I love yeah. that. I love that a lot. How do you stay in a positive mindset when you're on social media and seeing homes decorated to the nines and all the gifts that people are giving and receiving? I think it's really easy to compare or try to keep up. Like, I feel like we've kind of touched on this, um, but I wanted to get your two cents there. Yeah, I think like I was thinking about that idea and thinking we definitely, (laughs) you guys living in Arizona and me living in Hawaii, like there's we're to parts of different cultures. And it's, again, part of what's drawn us to live in Hawaii, even though there's so much that's difficult about living here and being away from family. And um, it's part of what we love so much about it. Uh, but I think I love this question. And I have was telling Trenton, my husband today, like what a good exercise it's been for me just over the past few days to really think through Um where I stand and what I believe about these things, because I need the reminder for myself. And I am definitely, you know, given to comparisons, whether it's, you know, with material stuff or physically or, you know, all kinds of things. But kind of what I ended up, what I, what I think is the most helpful for me is to, as we're consuming what other people are putting out on social media, you know, everyone's lives are so different, like, and people have different material realities. And there's no shame in, in how people choose to spend, you know, I'm I'm not looking to put out any negativity in terms of how people choose to spend their money. And so I think when we look at that, like, comparison, I think, look for the happiness in all of it, and then try to radiate the same thing. And what I what I kind of mean by that is like going back to those experiences of of the times we spent living in developing countries. Like we are not happier people than people who have much less. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like there's actually the correlation between happiness and material wealth. There is none. Mm-hmm. And and really, I think what everyone wants is to be happy, right? We don't like, and so there's this, we're constantly being told by media and just society in general that, that material wealth equals happiness. And hopefully, I hope my, my dearest, deepest hope would be that people are able to disconnect that and understand like, oh, that's not real. And so you can look at what somebody is showing on social media. And instead of seeing the, like the, material background that they're in just see the happiness yeah or lack thereof you know yeah just see just see the joy and then think oh how can I bring joy like that into my life and into what I'm sharing and and I don't know if that makes sense in my mind no that makes a lot of sense so much yeah 
in my mind, it's like the idea that like people don't really care about stuff and, and the people that do suck, you know, like, and that's not, (laughs) that's not who you're trying to like, you know, be inspired by anyways. Yeah. And so if you can really just, just focus on like, like I get it with travel a lot. Right. So it's like people go out and travel and it seems like, man, like that spirit of adventure and joy and happiness. Like I, we don't have that right now. We don't have a big trip planned right now. And we don't, you know, we're, our circumstances aren't, don't allow us to travel in that way right now. And, but I can think like, oh, actually I could be just as joyful though. I just need to implement it within the circumstances that I, that are in my life. Right. And money actually has nothing to do with it. Yes. I think that's so It has so a lot great. more to do with mindfulness and intention and creating what you want to be a part of. I feel like you phrased it perfectly. Yeah. I think that also just like rejecting the impulse to compare yourself is a muscle that we need to strengthen. Yeah. And it takes time and it takes practice. And I feel really grateful that I'm five years down the road of that because it was really hard for me a few years ago to even like take in social media on lots of different levels. And I think like, um, it changes and our overtime, like our circumstances change. And, you know, this year you're jealous of the people who can travel and have money and or last year that was that. And this year you're jealous of the people that can get pregnant. Right. And yep. it's like, you're all, you know, those things are constantly going to be changing. They're not going to go away. And so we just have to strengthen that muscle of, just feeling grateful for our circumstances and how blessed we are and not being in that negative headspace of comparison. I don't think I've ever heard comparison like talked about in that way. And that like makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. You phrased it perfectly. I feel like that's such a good reminder for me and I'm sure everybody listening um, to just not compare somebody's somebody else's, um, like life highs, out, or- yeah, out, outside of your own, like you live a totally different life and you may have things that they may quote unquote be comparing themselves to, or be like you said, jealous of or whatever. Um, so I feel like that's a really good reminder. Right. I think like, so my favorite chapter in this book, the one that I've kind of clung to the most and just really resonated with me, even as a photographer, because I feel like as a photographer, I feel like one of the unique privileges is that you really take in beauty um, in an art in a way that you're like relishing in the beauty of the art that you're creating. And it's like, I kind of, I, I do a lot of brand work, but I also continue to shoot families because I love capturing like the authenticity of family connection. And it's just like, I always, I'm almost always in tears after editing a family shoot because I just can feel like, that it's I'm just relishing in the beauty of families and and people and love and um and there's a chapter in here that I wanted to read something from and it's the chapter is called relishing and and I think like this has been one of my biggest remedies for comparison and getting down about things that you don't have is just like not just feeling grateful for the things that you do have but like truly relishing in them okay so there is it's kind of a funny story but it illustrates this idea of if we truly stopped to appreciate like the overwhelming privilege of just being alive um we would not think for a second about getting caught up in comparison 
She says, the, the story tells of a pair of teenage sisters, one of whom had recently died and was hovering as an, this is like a, a Hindu proverb or something. One of whom had recently died and was hovering as an embittered ghost over her living sibling. She was seriously resenting her status and envying her sister for still having a body. In one part, she watches her sister walk down a gravel driveway and pines to feel those wet stones crunching underfoot. She swears to forgive everyone who sinned against her in her life if only some higher power will give her a mouth for just a few minutes so that she can pick up a handful of that wet gravel and roll it around on her tongue. She imagines tasting all the different minerals and feeling the sharp corners and smooth facets of the gravel move along the roof of her mouth. She exults in the very thought of such a sensory, sensory overload, then crashes into a fury that it will never again be hers. But it like the idea in that chapter and the way they use that story is to illustrate like, it's such a gift to be alive. Like, it's so silly that as human beings, we get caught up in even these little details of like, oh, well, she has more than me and and they've got nicer Christmas decor. And like, when it's like, if we could even see for a moment, like how blessed we are to be alive, to be taking in another thing she talk, that they talk about is like, Imagine that certain experiences you have that you had to pay money to do them. So like, what if I had to pay $50 every time I went to the beach and got to swim in the ocean? And it's like, would I appreciate it more? Do we appreciate things more that have a monetary value to them? And if we can strip away from that idea of just valuing things because they are and because they're beautiful and because we're alive and stop valuing things because of their monetary value. Frugal hedonism, in a lot of ways, is just like coming back to like a childlike view of the world. I wanted to say on your personal Instagram account that's private that you do like share all of these different things about being more mindful and minimal. I love like you like will post you're eating like a simple papaya with lime on it and you're like sitting there just enjoying the moment with your kids looking out the window, like you really speak to like simple moments that just seem so ordinary. But when you really think about it and make it something special, it can be like you're, we're just, we're talking about like those special, meaningful memories that you look back on that have nothing to do with anything materialistic. Right. I think like there's a Deepak Chopra does a, like a abundance meditation. And there's one specific meditation where he talks about turning the simple moments of your life into the luxury moments of your life. That if you can change your mindset of taking in those things, it's like, oh my gosh, this is such a luxury. Like, mm -hmm. it's, you take away the power that material wealth has when you say, I create my own luxury. Yeah. I know this is kind of unrelated, but it's related in my mind. Um, I heard a quote, I think it's from Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you guys know who he is, but they were talking or he was talking about how like the mundane things in our life is like 80% of our life and all of the events we like think of and look up to or are excited for are really not the majority of our life. And a lot mm. of people don't get that 80% right. And so they're unhappy and they go throughout their entire life, just like going through the motions, waiting for those like events to happen. And he was just like saying, if you can get that 80% right, like your happiness is going to like exponentially grow. And I feel like things like that, like just sitting and eating a papaya and like enjoying the smell, the taste, like what you're seeing with your kids, like that's what we need to get right, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Right, 
Right. I feel like it's such like a common thing to say, like enjoy the journey or romanticize your life. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just actually putting that into practice is the hard thing. Yeah. Right. Right. Easier said than done. Yes. Do you make mindful splurges? And if so, what are your favorite things to splurge on? Yeah. As I was scrolling through my Instagram account, my Emma doesn't shop, which is the one that you mentioned. Um, I something I had written before really spoke to that and it was saying quoting myself very sophisticated <laughs> I love it <laughs> and said um what I had written was frugal hedonism isn't about self-deprivation in fact it's the opposite indulging blissfully in the richness of living free com- free from consumerism's latest expectation it's about being mindfully selective in each dollar you spend choosing only to purchase things that contribute to an experience that truly elevates your life we decided recently that we just want Lily Koi butter to be a staple in our house, the kind of thing you replace as soon as you've licked the jar clean. It's not that cheap, but I have no regrets because every time I eat it, I'm present, grateful, and downright giddy, <laughs> which is funny <laughs> to think back of that. But but I think that principle applies like living frugally and mindfully isn't about eliminating joys and pleasures from your yes. life. It's about really listening to yourself and being intentional and knowing yourself well enough to know what are the things that I do want to spend my money on. And um, for us, you know, as a family living in Hawaii, we prioritize spending the money it takes to go visit family on the mainland. And that's just a priority for us. There will never be a summer where we just say, oh, well, we can't spend the money to go this time. You know, we would find a way to make it work, whether it's renting out our house or picking up more jobs. And it's like, that's an essential expense for us, even though other people don't view it that way. Um, but I, I, this question was funny. It made me think just personally. And the one that Trenton always teases me about is that I, I love rugs. <laughs> and I have this thing where like, I'm so frugal, like even down to the food that I'll buy at the grocery store, you know, and I'm always looking for the less expensive option or how can I, you know, resourcefully not, I'm, I actually will say I'm not a coupon clipper and I never have been. <laughs> that's a different, that's a different brand or a different breed of yes frugality. Well, that and I'm, like you were saying, you would rather spend your time in a different way and spend right, money. Enjoy, right, exactly. But yes. I love, I just have a handful of time to spend more money than I normally would on rugs because I want to feel a certain way in my home. And I think rugs play a part in that. It's really dumb. But actually I was also thinking the one other thing that I was like, what am I just like committed to spending money on and will do forever. And it's <laughs> microblading my eyebrows. <laughs> there you go. It's like when Dude. I got my, I have like weird shaped eyebrows and I've always been self-conscious of them. And like the first time I got a microblading, I was like, I was like, I'm converted like it I mean I'm I'm like very low maintenance as far as makeup and stuff goes and we're in the ocean constantly and it's just like oh this is like one of those things that is just it's enough for me to feel like I continue to can you like continue in my lifestyle of not wearing a lot of makeup and stuff because that's just the way our life looks right now but it helps me feel a little bit more confident and a little bit more um you know like it's a self-care thing that I've just I prioritize so it's funny yeah. but um, also for me, it's like camera gear. I think like buying my first digital camera, I was, we were so broke. It was like crazy. And I got a used camera for 1200 bucks. And at the time it felt like it was 
could have been $15,000. Like, right. And it was really, in a way, it was what launched my photography career because after I got it, I treasured it so much that I really put the time and energy um, and attention into developing um, the skill, being able to use my camera. Um, yeah, so those are my splurges. And I think, again, it's definitely like, it's it's all about identifying what brings you joy and and how spending money can help you invest in maximizing that joy and um and also just kind of back to that idea of find a way to contribute your splurges to a small business or a local business or something with a cause like we're so blessed with Instagram in that way that we have access to so much more than we did you know 10 years ago it was like oh go to Target and buy all your gifts or go to you know these bigger stores that were all that was available to us. And we're so far past that. Like every dollar you spend can pretty much go to something that's a little bit more meaningful. Yeah. To another mom that's hustling on the side of taking care of her kids. Right. Exactly. The same way that I want people to hire me to take their photos. It's like, that's why Trenton says like, I always end up spending so much more when I go to like a, like a local market, like a maker's market Mm -hmm. or whatever, because it's like, Every dollar that you spend, you're supporting something you believe in. Like, yeah. Cool. Oh, I love that. I feel like it's so easy nowadays, especially with Amazon, mm-hmm. to just like totally. Oh. Yes, Amazon is the perfect example. <laughs> it's like it's scary, like how quickly you can spend money with like out even thinking because it's just right there at your fingertips. Right, to and it's it like they've right made it. House. They've made it so easy for us to spend money mindlessly. Like, yeah. so easy. And I yeah. think like we accept it as just a convenience, but we have to, sometimes it's like you have to visualize in your mind that there is a boardroom with old guys in suits sitting around a table saying, how can we get these young moms to feel bad and spend more money? And like, Mm -hmm. when you can have that visualization of like, what app can we create? What feature can we create? Oh, let's do like, we'll save all their card information so they don't even have to go through the trouble of, of putting in their card. We'll just have it on file for them. And it's like, these are Literally great just press one button. conveniences, but they also all lend themselves to mindless spending. Yeah. And mindless spending isn't just the way of the way that things are. It's like, no, it's been specifically manufactured that way to make rich people richer. And yeah. Yeah. No, so. I love that. These are all hitting right at home. Like yeah. Things that I've been thinking about that I've been wanting to make switches of or things that I've been needing a mind shift for. And so I hope that like everybody else is feeling the same, just so yeah. inspired, especially right before the holidays. I mm-hmm. feel like it's the perfect timing for all of this. So yes. Do you have any other thoughts you wanted to add? There was, yeah, there was one more thing that I was just thinking that I wanted to add, which is the idea that I had as a kid growing up about living frugally was that living your life that way, like separated you from the mainstream in a way that was a negative and like, disconnected you from from like friendship and relationships and all these things that feed my soul and so I just wanted to articulate like that I don't believe that at all anymore and and now it's actually exactly the opposite and that when I choose mindful spending there's so many more opportunities for meaningful connection and for creativity and for um, like strengthening my ability to be resourceful and not rely on material things to provide 
security and contentment. And like, it's this amazing thing when you realize that you can get by on so little because it's like this freedom of like, you don't live in fear that if you were to, I don't know, like lose all your money or something that how would you go on or how would, right. could you be happy or yeah. how would you do it? And I think like there's amazing resilience that's built in choosing to live a life outside of rampant consumerism. And, it, you know, I think like I love trades. I love um, finding like win-wins with people. I love like you think of all the services that you're able to do and uh, able to just hire out and you think like, oh man, well, what if I did like the more affordable way and carpooled with somebody instead of having an Uber pick me up? And like, wow, that's an opportunity for connection. And I think like, if you can just shift your mindset of like, oh, well, I can just pay for anything that I need. I mean, that's the world that we live in, right? Mm -hmm. If you can pay for anything that you need, you can pay for. And it's, why we're so isolated from each other. Yep. In, in, in my opinion, in a big way, because we don't rely on each other anymore. Yeah. Because I, you can just pay for whatever you need. And it's when you take that out of it and you say like, I'm going to be more resourceful and I'm not only going to take, but I'm going to give. Yeah. And then you can create this reciprocal community of, of, you know, of a life that exists outside of currency exchanges. Well, and you saying that, I remember you posted on your Instagram stories, looking for someone to trade. I'll do a family session for, I don't know, I think you were looking for like fruit or maybe baked goods or something. Right, right, and right. I'm like, <laughs> I it, was desperate, it was a desperate moment. <laughs> <laughs> in my mind, I was like, oh, like you can only do this in Hawaii because like the community there, um, because there's so many, I don't know, I feel like sometimes I feel like it's a little bit harder in Arizona or places where people don't have like Yeah, for sure. They're not implanted there without all their family surrounding them or I people that they grew up around. True. I think I maybe just limit myself in that aspect. It's comfortable. Yeah. Um but yeah, I love I I saw you post that and I was like, oh, I love that so much. <laughs> it's hilarious because I cannot imagine ever like it's just not the world. Like I feel like I'm in here in Arizona of what, like you said, that you had posted. It's just, I don't know. I long to like experience that. Even just you talking about like living in different countries and like experiencing the way like other people live. I think that's something that we all should experience in this world, but unfortunately a lot of us won't. And it, it definitely like makes me want right. to explore doing that. Yeah. And I think too, it's like, it can seem overwhelming and we haven't traveled abroad since before COVID. I mean, it's been way too long. Like I said, it was right before yeah. my second son was born and he just turned six. And it's like we, but I think there are, again, if you're willing to tackle the mindset shift and willing to be really humble because like these ugly things that are true about like our capitalist yeah. society are ingrained in us. Like it's a, it's the water right. we, mm -hmm. or, you know, it's the air we breathe. It's impossible, but if you can really open yourself up to like a self-examination, it can be so beneficial. And I think like you can find those same types of experiences True. without yeah, even yeah. going and traveling abroad, right? Like, and I think a big thing is, again, like kind of back to that point that so many people who come to Hawaii say like, oh, I love it. It's so refreshing and we love this. And and then the, the reverse, people who leave Hawaii fear going back to like, you know, it's like, yeah, right. you can create this wherever you are. And people, yeah. people need it and people are drawn to it. And 
we need to, you know, Hawaii is a, is a physical place that you can go in and, and experience it on some level, but you're also able to bring that to your own communities and to your own circles. And it really, lots of times it just takes somebody making a suggestion yeah. of like, oh, instead of all doing gifts at our parties, like what if we all went and did this experience together? And, or what if we all, you know, just like little shifts that aren't about saving money. It's not about that I want to save more money. That's not the point of anything that I'm saying. It's about like building a life that isn't founded on consuming. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) That's like the perfect ending. Yeah. No, I seriously had such a good time listening to you speak and meeting you. I feel like I hope everyone feels this way too, because it was just really eye-opening and you're just a very positive light and I really appreciate you coming. <laughs> Thank you. Well, again, I I really wish that we were all just like sitting at a smoothie I shop know. Same. talking over talking over breakfast. Seriously. <laughs> we need to plan a, a same sis retreat. Retreat to I forget <laughs> yeah. the name oh of my it, gosh, but collaboration. To, yes. What's it called? I'm scrolling up. What's it called? Well women. Well women. You guys are awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. This was way more fun than I expected. Good, good. Plug any socials that you would like for people to find you. My personal account is at Emma Erickson, E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N, and then M-C-C, because McCullough is my married name. Okay. Um, You guys can link that because it's kind of a mouthful. Okay. But, um, and then my other page is at Emma Doesn't Shop. And then on those, you can link to my Well Women Hawaii site that just I mean, really is the goal of like inspiring people to gather whether or not you can be in Hawaii and attend an event that I host. But yeah, um, that is I feel like I, we could do a whole nother conversation about that because it's really well women. Hawaii has been like the physical space for implementing so much of what I have learned and then sharing it with women in my community. Well, yeah, I'm, been really cool. I'm down for a part two, if you are. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll send you guys, I mean, you'll be able to link the books. Yes. And I just please can't do. recommend those enough. Okay. They're funny and quirky and especially simplicity parenting. We, I mean, I didn't touch on that one as much, but it's been like a complete game changer for my parenting yeah so. I feel like I would love to like have you back on to even talk about that because yeah I, really dive into that yeah I feel like so many people would re- like relate to that and want to know more because I'm definitely buying that yeah. book for sure <laughs> yes those are on my Christmas list to read yes under my read <laughs> section of my five perfect <laughs> <laughs> just kidding uh okay we will link all of that in the show notes so just scroll down if you're on your phone listening yeah sounds good Uh, Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. It helps us so much. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.